How many of you found that experience of silence totally awkward? Most of us aren't used to and don't love experiences with silence. I don't know what your last seven or so weeks have been like, but I would imagine that they have been filled with less activity and less noise than you're used to and maybe more moments of silence, like what we just experienced together. Unless, of course, you're quarantined with a bunch of young kids and maybe they're climbing all over you, then it's possible that you're craving some silence. But I wonder how much of us actually enjoy this quieter way of living that we found ourselves in these days. The thing is, for so many of us, silence can be uncomfortable and awkward. Silence is such a contrast to the noise of our lives that we have formerly been used to. I mean, there's something comforting about the busy and the frantic and the hectic, right? I mean, some of us are seeing the quiet and the slow pace as a blessing. We're finally catching our breath. We're getting caught up on sleep. We're recognizing what matters in life and slowing down. But perhaps for some of us, the quietness of our lives can feel distressing because we like to be in control. We like to be in control of our lives. And in these days, that's exactly what we've lost. I'll never forget this one day at the end of March. I was, um, I was turning over my day timer to the month of April. I, I'm still one of these people that uses a pen and paper calendar. And as I turned over into the month of April, it was like my entire life vanished. I mean, other than my work, everything had been wiped clean. And it was just such a loss of control. And the thing is, if we're honest, we love control. We long for it. I think that's because control helps us feel safe. It allows us to know what to expect. And in so many ways, that's exactly what we've lost in these days. Personally, I am a recovering control freak and I love being able to control outcomes and living with uncertainty is super hard. I mean, my birth order probably plays into it in the family in which I grew up. Um, I'm the oldest of five and I'm just one of these people. I like to fix things, make things happen, take control. And I've come to realize during this time of quarantine that often I'm driven by a need for, a need for that control. I thrive on setting goals and making future plans. And so living with uncertainty and not being able to control outcome is super hard. I mean, COVID-19 affects all of us differently, but I think we can all agree that we've all lost control to some degree or another. Whether your life has changed personally or not, I think we can all agree that our world has changed. I mean, how we grocery shop has changed, how we interact with our extended family has changed, and so many of these changes are beyond our control. We long for control and it's so hard when we lose it. Now, not only do we love control and, and long for it, I think if we're honest, we kind of freak out when we don't have it. Control, or rather not having control, it impacts us in ways that can actually be surprising. I mean, it creates a level of anxiety and fear within us. It, it puts us in such a vulnerable place. And maybe this has shown up in surprising ways in your life. Maybe you've found yourself tempted to hoard products or 
make an impulsive um, purchase online. I know I have. Maybe um, you found yourself to be more anxious or more prone to overreact. I mean, none of us have lived through a pandemic before. And when we lose a sense of control, it affects us. It affects us emotionally, mentally, physically. I know that for me, my emotions, they feel a little bit more heightened, intensified these days. And I find that often I need to apologize more. This season just requires tons of grace for ourselves and the people that are close to us. It requires lots of apologies. Anne Lamott, an author, I love how she says that Earth is forgiveness school. And I've heard it said that quarantine is most definitely forgiveness school. I have found that to be true. Not having control, it impacts us more than we probably like to admit. As followers of Jesus, I think we can all agree that God wants control. I think we can all agree that life is better when God is in control, but how do we get there? Well, the good news is that this is exactly where God wants us to be. In fact, God is waiting for us to give up control. And as I've been thinking about this, I've been drawn to Psalm 46. In verse 10 of Psalm 46, we read this. Be still, be calm. See and understand I am the true God. In Psalm 46, the author is writing to people who are experiencing trouble on the horizon. Their world is spinning out of control. It talks about mountains crumbling and reason to fear. And the author of this Psalm goes on to emphasize who God is and what God does. And if you read the rest of the Psalm, which I totally encourage you to do, you'll read about how God is our shelter, our strength, ready to help, always at work, never sleeps, powerful, in control, surrounding us, protecting us, mighty and trustworthy. And when we see who God is, it's like we pause. When we see who God is and what God is capable of, what God can and does do in our lives, we can relax. We can see that God has things under control even though we might not feel it in the moment. And so, being still is an invitation to stop thrashing around for control, to stop trying to be our own fix-it person, and to let God be who God is, to let God do what God does in our lives. Now, this isn't an invitation to be uninvolved in finding solutions to our problems. I mean, the psalmist isn't telling us not to go to the doctor or not to take our meds or not to apply for a job or for retirement and so on, what the psalmist is saying is that there's no need for us to try to control everything in our lives because God is already prepared to be God in our lives, regardless of our circumstances. And so it's when we surrender that we can take a breath, we can rest. It's when we're able to experience the saving power of God, a relationship with God that will actually blow us away. It's when we stop trying to control everything that we get to see what God can do. In Psalm 46.5, it says this, The true God never sleeps and always resides in the city of joy. God makes it unstoppable, unshakable. When it awakes at dawn, the true God has already been at work. What you discover 
when you stop trying to be in control and let God be God in your situation, is that God has already been at work in ways that you couldn't see, in ways that are making the city of your life unstoppable, unshakable. Now, this doesn't mean that we always get our way or, or that things work out exactly as we expected or hoped, but it does mean that no matter what happens in our lives, we will be unshakable, that nothing can get in the way of God being who God wants to be and God doing what God wants to do in your life and mine. And so the invitation here is to create space where we can experience God in this way. Verse 10 says, be still, be calm. See and understand I am the true God. I am honored among the nations. I am honored over all the earth. God longs for us to give up control, to be still, to be calm, and to understand that God alone is the true God. So this series has been all about asking the question, how can we train ourselves to live a godly life? Are there spiritual exercises that we can do to train ourselves to give up more control, to give our lives over to God in a fuller way? And the answer is yes. In fact, one of the ways that we can practice giving up control is by engaging in the spiritual practice of silence. Listen to what we read in Ecclesiastes 5, sorry, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Watch your step when you enter the house of God. Be ready to listen quietly rather than rushing in to offer up a sacrifice. Do not be too hasty to speak your mind before God or too quick to make promises you won't keep. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, watch your tongue and let your words be few. The author of Ecclesiastes is inviting us to come carefully, slowly into the house of God, quietly, to be slow to speak, to let our words be few, and to remember that God is in heaven and we are here on earth. In other words, we come to God with perspective, humility, knowing that God is God and we're not. We come ready to listen and slow to speak. We come with few words. Now, silence isn't our practice all the time. If you were with us last week, you know that Mike talked about carrying on an ongoing conversation with God in prayer, praying continually. The writer of Ecclesiastes acknowledges this when just a few chapters earlier, he writes that there's a time to be silent and a time to speak. Well, in our culture, it's so much easier to embrace the time to speak than it is to embrace the time to be silent. But this is precisely the spiritual exercise that God is inviting us to practice. In silence, we learn to listen. So not only am I recovering as a control freak, I've also struggled in my life to listen well. And you know, jokingly, I like to attribute it to the family in which I was raised. I was raised by parents who are fast talkers and you know there were seven people in my home in fact there was actually eight for a while when my grand from scotland lived with us and just to give you a visual if you've ever seen an episode of the show gilmore girls then maybe you can picture how fast paced the talking in my home was you know 
especially the females, we, we talked fast, we talked over each other, we finished each other's sentences. And my parents, you know, they used to joke and kind of still do that you had to do it in order to get a word in. There were so many of us. Well, while Gilmore Girls makes great television, that fast-paced banter doesn't lend itself to listening well. It actually makes you more concerned with what you're gonna say next rather than listening to what has been said. Slowing down and engaging in the practice of silence, it trains us to listen. It helps us, it's helping me be more, more attentive, to listen like I want to be heard, and then to really be present with people. The discipline of silence, it helps us hold space for others, which is one of the most sacred gifts that we can give to the people that are close to us. The practice of silence, it's also helping me slow down my racing mind so I can really hear what others are saying and, and take the time to ask questions and, and not be so focused on what I want to say next. The other thing about silence, God is always speaking. And through silence, I am learning, we are learning to listen for the still, small voice of God. I love what Mary Oliver says in her poem, Instructions for Living a Life. She says this, pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. Before we can be astonished, we must pay attention. And paying attention requires us to slow down, to be still, to be silent. You know, I've actually found this to be one of the gifts in this time of isolation. In slowing down, I'm finding that I've become more attentive and began to notice signs of spring all around me. My husband, Steve and I, we've been going on, on walks in the evening throughout our neighborhood. And it's so interesting because we're seeing on a daily basis, the miracle of spring awakening right in front of us. And it's almost like in years past, we didn't notice this. And so there's something just really beautiful about slowing down. In silence, we learn to listen. We learn to pay attention. The other beautiful thing about silence, in silence, our trust deepens. You know, you'll notice that when there's a level of comfort and trust between people who really love each other, they're okay, they're even happy to sit together in silence. And I think that when we reach that place in a relationship, it's really quite beautiful because We've landed in a place where we can be with each other without needing to fill space, without needing to fix or give advice or anything else for that matter. And this is one of the gifts of being in silence with God. We can focus on being rather than doing. The other thing about silence, in silence we notice our breath and our breath brings us into the present moment because the thing about our breath is it can't live in the past and it can't live in the future. It can only live in this present moment. And so being attentive to and listening to the rise and fall of our breath has a powerful way of bringing us into the present moment, connecting us to God and reminding us of the Holy Spirit within us. In silence, we can rest in the love of God. We can allow ourselves to be held and nourished by that love. In silence, we also receive a better picture of our circumstances. 
Um, it's, it's kind of like, you know, if you think of those snow globes uh, that we have as, at Christmas time, maybe you have one as a child, it's like the snow settles and we can see the landscape of our lives a little bit more clearly. Maybe we can even discover some of the incomplete narratives or outright lies that might be guiding or driving our lives. Stillness, well, it also calms us. And that's such a beautiful thing. I was listening to a podcast last week, um, Brene Brown on her podcast, and she was talking about how anxiety is contagious, but so is calm. And I found that to be such good news because I don't know about you, I could use more calm in my life and I want calm to be contagious in me. I know that for me, more calm, more silence, more listening, more being fully present, more trust. These are gifts that I want to cultivate in me during this time of isolation. I wanna bring them into my future. One of my spiritual practices that I began developing long before COVID and it's grounding me and actually saving my life these days is the discipline of silence. Now, not just silence for the sake of it, but silence to be with God. Because silence places us in a posture where we can be with God, be led by God, where we're open to receive God's love, where we can deepen our relationship with God. And the goal of this spiritual exercise of silence is all about growing in our relationship with God. It moves us from knowing about God to knowing God more deeply. And it happens slowly undramatically over time. I mean, when I started practicing silence in my life, I began really small. I began by setting the timer for two minutes and then three minutes and so on. And trust me, I totally understand that silence can be uncomfortable. And yet I've found that the more I choose moments of silence, the more I actually have come to crave it. I mean, silence is the kind of thing that we can weave into our lives daily, monthly, even taking time annually for it. It's the kind of thing that we have to carve out time for. If we're not intentional, it just won't happen. At the same time, there's other ways that we can incorporate silence into our lives in a more day-to-day -day kind of way. Maybe it's um, choosing to drive in silence instead of listening to music or a podcast. Maybe it's going for a walk in silence. Maybe it's leaving space in your life between meetings and appointments so that you feel less frantic and less hurried. Whatever it is, creating these moments of silence allows us to have a posture where we are open to God's presence and love in a way that otherwise we wouldn't be. Silence helps us let go. It helps us surrender our need for control. It helps us surrender to the love and goodness of God. About seven or eight years ago, a friend introduced me to the ancient silent practice of centering prayer. Now, this was during a time in my life where I had hit a bit of a wall. I was, I was feeling shaky and unsteady and desperately needed to connect with God, but was having trouble finding the words. I had more questions than answers and, and, and ways of, of praying that formerly worked weren't really connecting me with God during this time. And most of all, I was in a season of my life where I knew I was being invited to let go of control. And for someone like me, 
that was super hard. So maybe you're wondering what is centering prayer? Well, it's a practice where you sit in silence and there's no agenda. Um, you choose a sacred word or an image and every time your mind wanders, because it most definitely will, you come back to your sacred word or image. For me, that word that I use is grace. I come back to the word grace. And for someone like me, who, as I mentioned, is a control freak, this practice helped me trust more. It helped loosen this, this need for control. It allowed me to give God my yes. It allowed me to say yes to God's activity and presence in my life. It's a practice that incorporates silence, solitude, and stillness. And while it's very simple, it's also quite mysterious and even quite difficult. But what I love about it is that it connects us to the very presence of Christ within us. It's about communion with God. It's about training our minds to be at rest, to be open. It's so much more than a method or a checklist. Father Thomas Keating described it as relationship-based. He said, it's not about doing it correctly, <clears throat> excuse me, because the goal of centering prayer is to create interior silence. I love that, interior silence. Well, centering prayer is just one way to grow in the discipline of silence, and yet for me, it's become my contemplative prayer of choice. And in just a moment, I'm really delighted that we're going to be able to experience the practice of centering prayer together. The point this morning is that even though we're living through a time where we have lost so much control, in the midst of that, God is inviting you and I to give up our need for control, to let God take control. And the practice of silence is one way that we can create space to engage in the process of being formed into the image of Christ for the sake of the world by letting God be who God wants to be and letting God do what God wants to do in and through our lives. Let's pray together. God, in this time when we have lost so much control, thank you that you are waiting for us to simply surrender. God, would you teach us how to surrender? Would you teach us how to incorporate the discipline of silence into our lives so that we could experience you and all that you want to be and all that you want to do in our lives? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.